You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine is brought to you by iHeartRadio. So today is Thursday the 24th of June, and I am actually going to see the Los Angeles Research Center today at Cedars-Sinai. I am definitely anxious and nervous about this appointment. Lately, I've been having some really strange symptoms, like horrible pressure in my neck. I almost feel like I have a choking sensation when I try and eat. My voice is constantly tremoring, and the lymph nodes underneath my arm and in my other parts are starting to throb and ache, and I'm just constantly exhausted. So my hope is that maybe today they can give me some insight if there's any way to stop this from spreading or treat it or what's going on. My biggest concern is the size of my lymph nodes in my neck. I think some mornings I wake up and try and pretend like this isn't really happening, that this isn't currently going on in my life, and then I look at my calendar and try and compartmentalize my morning so I can get through it and know I have a lunch meeting with a bunch of doctors to tell me how long I might still be here and what the, quote, likelihood of success of treating me is. Dealing with something that's so unknown used to be so unusual, but I guess it's something a lot of people deal with now. But for me, I'm scared. Sometimes I think about what my mom went through and how brave she was when she found out she had glioblastoma. And I just think I don't have the survivor gene. But then other moments I feel this need to fight and hang in there and keep battling it. But sometimes I won't lie, I get really scared and I feel very alone. And I do get a lot of anxiety going to these doctors. I start to think about what I'm going to look like if I go bald with my breasts cut out walking around and I start to feel like I'm going to lose a part of myself. And then other times I want to be like those people on TV who lean into it and embrace it and rock it and get through it. But I'm starting to realize this disease is absolutely nothing like on TV. You don't get to take off work. You have to keep pushing on. And ultimately being sick in this world doesn't make you any different than anybody else. Your bills still happen, your problems with your family are still there, 
and you've got to fight on and push on. So hopefully today, meeting with this company, they will have some research or insights or things that we haven't heard about yet. But I'm really scared. Also going to the cancer center always sucks the life out of you because while you're there, you see these people at different stages of treatment and it's hard not to feel their pain and feel bad. But I know just like me, none of these people want pity. They're fighting to survive. So I'm hopeful I can get up the courage to walk in that door, be organized, ask the right questions and get through this meeting. It's always really hard to go to these things alone, but then it's even harder to go with someone because you worry about what your family's gonna see and experience and the whole thing just freaking sucks. So here I go, wish me luck. So Kristen, our topic this week is dealing with doctors. How many women who are dealing with breast implant illness find the most difficult part of being chronically ill is visiting doctors and hospitals? Well, Kristen, given BII is just starting to be recognized as a real illness, many of us have been seeing doctors for years that told us they did not believe that breast implant illness was real. Or worse, we got misdiagnosed and were being treated with other diseases. So given that, many of us had severe fatigue, anxiety, and fear when it comes to seeing doctors. I know I have severe PTSD. And today I hope to uncover some of the tips from some of the pioneering doctors out there who are developing protocols and plans to treat people with breast implant illness. How many doctors did you see before being diagnosed, Kristen? Gosh, I'd say over 50 to 100 in all types of disciplines. And it became daunting to sort through those who actually believed in breast implant illness and those who thought it was all in my head. What about the hospitals? How many hospitals have you been to? Well, Christine, I've spent over a thousand days in hospitals in multiple states over the past 20 years. Oh my goodness, Kristen, that's over three years of your life spent in hospitals. Yes, and I've been there on birthdays, holidays, weekends, and regardless, it's just no fun. It's nothing like on TV. And unfortunately, I find given the lack of education and experience people working in the hospital, be it the doctors or nurses, have with actual BII patients, it gets really frustrating. Some of the nurses and doctors actually treat you like a drug-seeking hypochondriac and do not believe that the root cause of your ailments could be your breast implants. So I spent a lot of time in there just basically having them put it, you know, band-aids over bullet holes, treating these major symptoms I were having that were awful, but never getting to the root cause of what was making me so sick. Your breast implants. Right. So, you know, we went to the hospital the other day, you and I, and because you had an appointment. Could you tell our listeners what happened to you? Wait, before you tell the story, why were you going to the doctor and what were your symptoms? Well, ironically, this was a technicality. I was going to get an ultrasound for my surgeon who was performing my explant because he wanted to get updated imaging of the masses that have been in my breast for two plus years. And what was so shocking is I thought this was just a technicality. And while I was there, the radiologist came in and told me that my images were fine. There was nothing wrong with me and to come back in a couple of years. And I actually shared with him that I was going for an explant the following week. And he told me he didn't think I should need to take these out. What? That doesn't even make sense. That's outrageous. Well, it was very frustrating. And in that moment, I was actually scared that it would impact my insurance covering my surgery because 
he's putting a medical opinion in my chart. And I think this is why so many of us with breast implant illness are skeptical about the care we receive. You know, how can we trust our caregivers if they don't even know how to diagnose the disease? And with so many conflicting opinions from so many different types of doctors during the diagnostic process, just getting to treatment, it becomes so hard to know who to believe. And honestly, what bothers me the most is when my emotional state gets questioned, like me being stressed out or depressed or something going wrong with me is causing these symptoms versus the doctors actually believing that what I'm telling them is happening to my body. It's really happening. Doctors should trust what their patients are telling them. But to be fair, not all doctors are uninformed and insensitive. I mean, they get their information from manufacturers, the FDA, and their peers. Many of these doctors have been taught the old philosophy that BII is a condition that hysterical women identified with, but is not a proven disease. Absolutely, Christine. But now that's changing. You know, in 2019, when the FDA recognized breast implant illness as an actual disease, and many doctors started speaking out about it and talking about patients they were meeting and treating and seeing improvements, the conversation became real if that makes sense. And what's really exciting is now the FDA is asking patients to report their adverse events. They're asking doctors and manufacturers to give them data so they can properly understand this disease and how to treat it. And I think that through people like Dr. Rankin, who we're talking to today, we're finding there are great doctors out there. And Dr. Rankin is one of those pioneering doctors who is setting a protocol for treating BII. He has an entire practice that's designed to explant women and treat them as a whole person, emotionally, physically, and financially through the process, making sure that they're well taken care of. Well, let's not keep him waiting. Absolutely. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. 
With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. So first and foremost, I want to start by thanking Dr. Rankin so much for joining us on Close to the Chest. You're someone who I've been reading about and I'm just so excited to meet given the work you're doing. Thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. Well, I want to start and ask you some questions given you are doing more explants than anybody. Do you mind sharing with the listeners what breast implant illness is? is and what an explant is? Well, breast implant illness is a series of findings that we're seeing in women who've had breast implants. There's a multitude of them. There's a a big list of things that women are speaking about. The FDA on their website for breast implant illness will list a series of things like brain fog and hair loss and fatigue and anxiety and joint pain, and you can read the rest, which we're seeing in, in some women with breast implants. And in in these cases, oftentimes an explant is the answer and helps them tremendously. And an explant is removal of the breast implant and removal of the scar tissue surrounding the implant, which is formed by the body to try and protect the body and and block off of a foreign body that's, that's inside. So that's a really important point you just made. And for the listeners, Dr. Rankin is a plastic surgeon, correct? That's correct. I had started looking into physicians. You obviously came up and I was immediately impressed with the fact that you not only treat the women with the surgical process, but do you mind sharing a bit about what you do to support women through this journey? Well, our whole office staff is set up to provide care for our patients that are suffering from from breast implant illness. We have multiple explant liaisons who are available all the time by their personal cell phone to guide our patients through the whole process, to answer questions, to offer them support. Uh, We have our own Facebook support group for our patients as well. You know, there's a lot lot to this for my patients. There's a lot of uh, medical issues for them. They're not feeling well, so they they need guidance from the the time they decide to explant all the way through their surgery and and beyond. On that note, how long have you been doing this? Uh, I've been in practice 17 years. I'm in my 18th year right now. I've been explanting at a pretty decent pace for, for the last four years because I'm just seeing the benefits of my patients. I'm just trying to really perfect that the best that I can. The demand for doctors who can help us right now is significant, but I think it's also the demand for the care. And it sounds like you're treating the emotional side, the physical side. What have you seen as a surgeon in terms of the different types of implants and the impact it's had physically on the body? Well, there's a lot of different types of implants, different uh, quote-unquote makes and models. There's textured implants, smooth, silicone, saline, different manufacturers. Whenever an implant is put in the body, whether it's a breast implant or any type of implant, your body sees it as foreign and tries to wall it off and form scar tissue. So every patient has some scar tissue around their implants. Sometimes it's extremely thin and barely there, and sometimes it's thick and calcified, and we really don't know why 
in some patients it forms one way and in other patients it forms other ways. Uh, we're trying to really figure out why. You know, every patient is different and unique, but generally we do see a capsule or scar tissue in every patient with their implants. Wow. Obviously what you do is so amazing to me because I can't imagine going in there, seeing the impact it's had. And then one of the things you said that really stuck out is the maybe. Do you mind sharing a bit with the listeners about BII, the diagnosis, and really where we stand with that? Because I think that's an important area of confusion and need to understand. Sure. It's actually, it's really a diagnosis of exclusion. Many of my patients have been to a multitude of specialists. They've had test after test and specialist after specialist, and they really can't come up with a definitive cause. There's no blood test. There's no x-ray or CAT scan that we can do to say, oh yeah, you have BII. It becomes a leap of faith for my patients when they've exhausted all of their resources and decide they're going to try this to see if they improve their health. I've seen a couple of surgeons. I have some extreme symptoms and they were like, we don't know if this will fix it. It's scary, but I think as a patient, it's scarier to stay the same. What needs to happen to actually prove that breast implant illness exists? It sounds like you believe BII is real. I do 500 explants a year, so I see everything firsthand. And I see my patients improve, the majority, the great majority. As a physician, I wouldn't be doing this unless I saw a positive outcome in, in the majority of my patients. So yeah, I do believe it's real. It's not in every woman. Some women get breast implants and they do just fine and they're great devices for them and they love them and they have no problems at all. But it's the patients that don't. Those are the patients that I'm trying to help. That's incredible. When you help a woman and you do an explant, what options are you saying that are available to patients after the explant or during the explant for reconstruction? What type of procedures? You know, everybody's tissues are different. Some patients have a lot of breast tissue. Some have a little breast tissue. Some come in with a 700cc implant versus a 200cc implant. So you have to take all these things into consideration. Oftentimes I'll do a breast lift at the same time because the tissues have been expanded over time. When you just remove a large volume, breast is going to tend to, to drop. In some patients, I will recommend a lift. Others, I don't. It's really on a case-by-case -case basis. The patients with more breast tissue are easier to get a better aesthetic result. Patients with thinner breast tissue are a little bit more challenging. So we always have to weigh in medical benefits, what you're going to look like after. These all come into play and are all super important for my patients. Stepping back into this, you as a physician have treated, you said, over 500 surgeries a year right now? That's, the, yeah, over 500 a year of explants. Wow. Here's my big question, and I don't want to offend you, but do you see yourself ever doing implants again in the future? Well, if they, <laughs> I'm going to say no, but if they come up with a completely safe implant, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I wouldn't, but I think that most of the products are the same consistency that they've been for many years. So the short answer is, is probably not. So supportive. Well, I think it's incredible, first and foremost, the expertise that you bring to the table. Like you said, conceptually, this has become a, something that's diagnosed through elimination or symptom grouping, like you mentioned before. How has it been with your peers regarding breast implant illness and the protocols that are being developed? You know, as far as my peers, you know, some are very supportive of BII and have started explanting and others don't believe it's a, a real issue or a real diagnosis. I think as they become more aware of patient outcomes, then they'll, they'll get on board. You know, they've been doing this for many years and putting in implants like, like I did at the beginning of my career until I really saw 
the benefits of explanting in a lot of my patients. So, you know, I, I always do what I think is right. Um, I don't really get involved with what my peers are going to think about it if I think it's the right thing to do. And I clinically see my patients getting better. How could I, you know, not continue to do this? Dr. Rankin, you've done many explants through your practice and treated hundreds, if not thousands of women. What do you do with that data? And are you currently doing any research studies? Right. We do have a lot of data, as you can imagine. So we have been in process of collecting the data and we will be doing some type of research study to try and, you know, figure out how to diagnose most common symptoms, best treatment options. So stay tuned for that. For the listeners, to get an implant approved and prove it's safe, as a doctor, what is it that you would like to see is that proof? And what do you think that the manufacturers are currently doing to provide that, if anything? Well, you need to have studies. You need to have, you know, prove that there's no adverse reactions in, in patients, basically. That's, that's how any other medical device is supposed to work. That's how our FDA is supposed to work with drugs. So you need, you need long-term studies. I think that informed consent is a really important issue. So patients should know their risks, benefits, potential complications, um, and possible outcomes going in. You can't just say, oh, this is 100% safe. It's a lifetime device. You'll never have to worry about it. And now we have some of those more informed consents going in on the implant. So people can make a more informed decision if they're choosing to get implants. I think that's a key fact for all of us as patients and what you just said, because it's a lifetime device that you can have it forever and you'll be fine. It's great. It's has never hurt anybody, I think is the, not only the understanding that we have in the community, but kind of the pitch. And now you're bringing the conversation to this real narrative of it may not be for everybody. Are there any factors you've identified that predispose women to BII? Unfortunately, I haven't seen a consistent type of patient that it happens in. I've seen every type of patient. So there's no way to say, oh, patients who are from Eastern Europe or you know South America have a higher development. It's just, there's really no consistent basis for one patient over the other. Wow. So it sounds like you're doing things to help proactively identify those of us at risk. You've created a process to currently treat us that are going through it that has the emotional and the physical support, which is incredible. Do you mind sharing a bit about some of the procedures you do and the reconstruction for women are out there? Because I think the biggest fear for anybody is, what am I going to look like after? Yeah, it's, it's um, definitely scary for women. With the lift, there's a lot of different types of lifts, depending on the degree of what we call ptosis or drop of your breast, how much breast tissue you have again, which I briefly touched on. There's different scarring patterns based on what type of lift you're going to do. I try and see every patient, examine, you know, what, what type of implant they have, how much tissue, and then we can make a decision of, of what the surgical plan is. I understand it's a, it's a difficult thing for patients. They may go in with breasts that are very aesthetic, they love the appearance, and now we're going backwards and they're, they're choosing to do this electively for their health. So it's di- difficult emotionally. You know, sometimes the results are unpredictable. The body's interesting on how some people heal. You can do the same procedure on two patients and they can heal totally differently. So that's why I've focused so much time on just explanting because I want to try and give the best result to every patient. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. I'm always learning. I'm always trying to do better and adjusting my 
my techniques just to try and improve my aesthetics. Well, that's a really important point because currently for women who have recalled implants, the option that is financed by the manufacturers on the device side, but not the surgery, is a swap out. So in your professional right. opinion, if you have BII and you're complaining of symptoms, do you believe swapping them out for a new and improved pair is the solution for that woman? No, not at all. If you're having a reaction to an implant, simply replacing it with another implant is going to give you the same symptoms that you've been experiencing. So I don't think that's a real viable option for these women. And what should they ask their doctor when they're meeting doctors in order to make sure they're in the right hands? Again, experience, um, maybe to see some before and afters, maybe to speak with some patients that have had surgery with that doctor before, to consult with them and have a physical exam and, and discuss a lift, no lift, what the doctor thinks the potential aesthetic outcome will be. So these are these are important things to discuss. A lot of women are now talking about fat transfers. So in what scenario is a fat transfer appropriate for a woman? And is it something that you recommend right after explant or what's the right protocol for that? So in my practice, I do fat transfers. I usually wait a minimum of six months because I want to let everything heal. And to be honest, a lot of my patients that say they want a fat transfer after six months, they say, you know what? Thank you very much. I'm done with surgery. I am happy with the way I look and they decide not to do it. So it's nice to give them that opportunity to decide if it's right for them or not, because it is another surgery. And then also you want the fat to quote unquote take. So with a, a better healed breast, you have more opportunity for the, the fat to survive. So it is something that it, it's not like an implant. It can give you that full upper pole fullness round look, but it can at about a cup size. If there's asymmetries, it can help with those. If there's a little bit of an indent here or there caused by the previous implant, it can help with those too. So it's, I think it's an important tool that we have to help patients postoperatively or maybe give a little bit more volume. The rate limiting step in a lot of my patients is some patients don't have enough fat to, to utilize. So that, that can be a factor too. Do you mind sharing a bit with the listeners about silicone and what we know or don't know about it, 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 do you believe that's kind of one of the root toxins that is in there? Well, we, we don't know, and I can't, you know, speculate <laughs> until we do know, you know, being a physician and, and scientist, I, we like to work on evidence-based medicine. And I don't want to say definitively that it's the silicone or it's something else until we really can prove that. To your point, saline implants are made with a silicone shell. Silicone implants are made with a silicone shell. One's filled with saline, one's with, filled with silicone. In my practice, I'm probably explanting 60% silicone and 40% saline. So it's not like if you have a silicone, hey, just swap it with a saline implant and things are going to be okay. Well, I think that's a really important fact because, you know, and again, I appreciate your honesty and the openness because as patients, as advocates, and as Anybody going through this, embracing that we don't know what we don't know and being open to discovering the truth, I think is the answer. What factors do you feel are making the BII issue a trending topic? I think that there's a exponential recognition of it right now for a multitude of factors. I think social media has really brought a lot of these patients together in some forums where they can discuss things collectively, share stories, share symptoms. Um, have credibility when you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of women all experiencing the same thing. I think that's very important. And I think that 
you have a lot of celebrities or people with a, a big voice who are getting on this. And you know, some of them have explanted. They share their experiences through social media and through other outlets as well, kind of getting the, getting the word out there that you know, th- this could be what's going on with your health. You're right. Social media is so important. And I think what you've done is, you know, really created this community of women to prove that what I hear us constantly saying as we all talk now is that we feel so great that we're, quote, not alone. You know, that this is becoming recognized and that we're not crazy. What advice would you give women with BII who are out there struggling with symptoms and also trying to find a doctor? Well, I think, like you said, just recognition that it's not in, in their head. It's not a psychiatric condition, that there's some real significant symptoms that are being caused by this and that there's help out there. I do think it's important when explaining to find somebody that does it like anything in life. Experience is key and find somebody that does it on a consistent basis because it's not easy. It takes a lot of experience to do it properly. So, you know, there's resources out there. Breast implant illness on Instagram is a great resource to find. There's a list of physicians that that do this on a regular basis that can that can really help these patients. Well, it sounds like you have laid out a pathway for us where we have options, you know, during post-explant if we don't like how we look and there's alternatives. And I think that's so important. And again, I just want to wrap up by saying thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It was really amazing to find someone who not only was treating the disease, but doing a lot of work to speak out and validate for us women that there is an issue. It should be treated. And you're defining some amazing standards in terms of treating the whole patient. Any final things you'd like to share with those women facing BII or ALCL currently that you think it's an important fact they need to know? First of all, thank you very much for having me. I I really enjoyed speaking with you and, and, and spreading awareness with you. I think it's important for women to know that if they have BII or think they have BII, that there's support out there, that they're going to be heard, that they're going to be treated, that there's options, and that, you know, they have people that they can turn to to try and help them. And I think that Every patient deserves that right. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day.
Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Wow, Kristen, that's a doctor who really cares and goes the extra mile. Absolutely. And he's proven it in how he's designed his practice. Our next guest, Jeff Rose, works with Dr. Rankin, and he's actually a breast implant concierge and one of the first people I reached out to when I realized I needed to go through this again. What does that mean? What's a breast implant concierge? What Jeff does is walk women through the entire process, telling them and helping them with what to expect when explanting. And he's an amazing supporter through the diagnostic, treatment, and recovery process. And is there 24-7 to help his patients make sure they survive and thrive. And I really think he has some great tips to share with the listeners on how to pick a doctor, how to be diagnosed, and hacks on how to get through the process. Let's hear what he has to say. I just want to say thank you, Jeff, for being a part of this and coming on close to the chest. I, I was curious as to what exactly was the impetus for you to become involved in the advocacy and helping women get explanted? Well, it is a unusual, unexpected story. Uh, back in 2013, I was just going about my business working in the health field. Uh, and my wife, who, after giving birth to our son, got implants like a lot of women do. And she really enjoyed them. And about five years after having them, she started to get sick very often, you know, flu-like symptoms. Uh, I used to joke with her because we used to go to the gym together at five o'clock in the morning. She was always very healthy. Uh, like me, we always took care of ourselves. And I used to say to her, you're the healthiest sick person I've ever met. You're always getting sick. And every six weeks, she wasn't feeling good. It was always something different. Over the course of time, symptoms would get worse. The amount of symptoms would increase. A very typical story that I know now, you know, we would be going to doctors and specialists and getting tests done. And we just were looking for an answer. What's wrong? Why are you getting sick? You know, all the blood tests were coming back fine. Everything was negative, which was good. But at the same time, it was very frustrating. As women, what would you give us as advice and people coming to the process of saying, you know, we think we might have this, we're contacting doctors. What should you expect is the process that you go through in meeting a doctor to get an explant? Like, how does it start? What should you look for in a good physician? Well, I think the one thing you indicated that's important to point out is everyone is different. Everyone, everyone's case is different. The first thing that happens is, you're going to have a consultation with me, whether it's in the office, whether it's FaceTime, whether it's Skype, whether it's on the phone. We're going to spend a good 30 to 60 minutes, however long it takes. And first thing we're going to find out, is it really your implants making you sick? That's the first thing that every woman has to really discover on their own. Is it the implants? That's the first step. The second step is picking the right doctor to do your surgery. Complete removal of the capsule every single time. If you're interviewing a doctor, 
you only need to start with one question. Can you guarantee me you will remove 100% of the capsule during my surgery? If you don't get a very quick, confident yes, time to find another doctor. And it's not a matter of just asking and him saying yes, because the biggest challenge why a lot of doctors don't remove the entire capsule, well, it's a couple. One is they don't believe in it. They don't believe in breast implant illness. They think it's just scar tissue that's harmless. Correct. And sometimes they'll say, oh, the body will absorb it. It'll dissipate. That's not true. In fact, scar tissue can actually grow. I mean, I always say if that were true, if scar tissue dissolved, how come we're removing old scar tissue from 20 and 30 years ago? It doesn't dissolve. That's a fact. And that's a fact that we see in the operating room every single day. In order for you to get better from breast implant illness, it requires complete removal of the scar tissue. Now, if you are under the muscle with the implant, it's more challenging and even more the reason to find a competent doctor is because there's a high chance that capsule will stick down to the rib cage and it's millimeters above your lungs. And why is that important? Well, you can puncture your lung. So a typical inexperienced doctor at this surgery will look at that and say, I'm not going to risk puncturing her lung and hurting her and getting sued. So they leave it there and they think, well, I got most of it and she'll be okay. The body will absorb it. That's not true at all. So that's why most women do prefer a specialist. To interrupt you really quick, it's becoming a category of specialty, explant. Yes. So within plastic surgery, you have people who are known for certain things. Do you mind sharing with us on average what it costs a woman just in medical services to explant? For what, you know, Dr. Rankin is in the industry as a specialist, he's been able to keep the costs very affordable, under $12,000 for an explant, lift, nerve block, everything. We keep it as affordable as possible. There are doctors that charge as much as eighteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. I always want to emphasize, and this is for all the listeners when they're really getting pricing, you want to see if it includes things like anesthesia, OR costs, because a lot of times you get a bill later on separately and they may not quote that. So you always want to ask, does that include everything like anesthesia and operating room costs where they charge per hour. With us, it covers everything. Because we own it, that's the total price. So very important. Jeff, can you tell the listeners what your role is as an explant liaison? After I walk them through the initial consult and they decide to schedule their surgery, then I am available to them at all times. They have my direct number and I work with them. I will help them and tell them that it's recommended that you go on an anti-inflammatory diet because this is inflammatory based. Also, the other thing is the chronic systemic dehydration where everything is dried out. Jeff, can you share what women experience emotionally leading up to their explant surgery? It's an emotional one. And that's why I think as a guy, I can add a lot where having the support of their spouse and even their family members is so, so important because you know, their partner is the one person they're turning to for emotional support. And if they don't have that, it becomes that much more challenging. I mean, I've had women, you know, back out of surgery because they were afraid they weren't going to be, you know, aesthetically pleasing to their partner anymore. Uh, they were 
having... Well, one of my fears, Jeff, is I'm single, right? And my support system is Christine, who co-hosts the show, and everybody's saying, why don't you just get these out? And like we've talked about, there's, yes, the financial and finding the right doctor, but then there's the emotional side of, is someone going to love me because I got these initially to think they'd make me more attractive? Sure. And so what I've actually done through this community is I've met a group of women who are some of the deepest, kindest, most incredible women. And I say, you know, what's closer to the chest is that, you know, you are. Once you remove these, you're all heart, brain, and, you know, you get yourself back. And so I think for us, there's this moment where we overcome one of the symptomatic issues that got us here. And I think I've met a group of women and advocates like yourself that are people I'm just proud to be around. And I think you creating that community has been important. So do you think we're almost to the point where insurance can step in with specialists like Dr. Rankin and help cover this? We're getting closer. I still don't think it's going to be within the next year or two. I think it's close. I'll say within five years, that is my goal that hopefully insurance will at least cover the explant part. They're not going to cover the mastopecty, the, the lift, but the explant part my goal is for them to cover it. I think it's through a lot of advocacy and getting the word out and, you know, people really talking about this. And can all of us just take off our clinical hats for the next 15 minutes and let's just use our common sense. And with using our common sense, if we know that when we take a medication, well, medications have side effects. Every medication, in fact, in medical school, they teach you in order to have an effect, you have to have a side effect. So it's kind of the validation that the medicine is working. So if we're using common sense and logic and you're putting this big foreign object in you, this breast implant that has these 40 neurotoxic chemicals in there, how in the world is it logical to say that nobody gets side effects from that? It almost is ridiculous to say that they don't. Of course, women are going to get side effects from it. And people always kept saying to us women, you look fine. And I think what you're really trying to bring to light is this is a feelings issue. It is a medical issue. It is not an elective issue. We didn't elect for this. And we don't identify with it. We have it. And I think as someone who's having these conversations, to again raise my hat to you, is that you're educating people on the FDA, the procedural experts that are around you, the actual patients, what you went through as an individual, as part of a family, and then you choose to take this on because I'm sure it's not a fun conversation to have. No, it's, it's very it's, it's very heartbreaking. So many of the stories that I hear and the most heartbreaking ones are the ones where they have to have a second surgery, as you know, where the first doctor didn't do it correctly and they got their hopes up of getting their life back. And now they find out they're still sick and they have to have another surgery. They're, I mean, half Half of the women that I speak to every single day get emotional, start crying, and I don't blame them. I mean, they've had their lives taken away from them. And like I always say is even though we're removing implants all day long, that's not what it's really about. It's about getting women their life back, getting them back to the person they used to be before they got sick. It is very sad. Yes. Well, and remembering who we used to be is also challenging. A lot of these women have been sick for a decade. They have struggled. They're bankrupt because they've spent so much money. And I also know that's an area where I think in talking about what you see. So when you're taking a woman into the operating room, you're seeing implants come out. What 
do you see in terms of the product? And then what should we expect in terms of that procedure and recovery? Well, great question. And every surgery is different, you know, their age, how how long they've had their implants, but the recovery process is important. And again, that's different for everyone. 90 days after the explant, when they do the three-month follow-up, 95% of women report that they've gotten their quality of life back and they're anywhere from 90 to 100% symptom-free. And that is amazing. So the good news to take away from this, and that's why I always say the first thing is to identify that it is the implants, which I will help you with. A lot of women are not sure, and I have a way to make the odds very, very clear that it is likely the implant. So that's the most important thing that I do is help clarify, okay, it is likely the implants. Nothing's 100%, but it's likely the implants, or maybe it's not. And a key thing is in sharing your story, telling the doctors that this works is the validation they need to continue on. But giving them the medical records to provide accurate data to the FDA to continue to enforce more research more tracking and more education is key because these doctors educate each other, the education you're giving. And so when a woman has an explant done, doctors are literally scraping the capsule, any remnants, if they rupture, this is gel, it can travel throughout the body. And so this is not a pain-free surgery. And we really kind of have to embrace the suck, right? Correct. I mean, it is a major surgery. I mean, there's no getting around that both, you know, emotionally as well as physically, you know, the recovery can take weeks. You have to keep that in mind also when you're looking for a surgeon that it is a major surgery. I mean, you know, we're going in, you know, very close to your heart and your lungs and removing these two big foreign objects. In fact, in the research that I've done, to put it in perspective, the size of the surgery is such that it's equivalent to removing a bullet that's lodged in your chest. When you go in and remove that bullet, removing those two implants, it's the same type of surgery. So that kind of puts it in perspective and it is a major surgery. So you do have to keep that in mind and you certainly want professionals that do this and do this regularly. Planning for time off of work, giving yourself that 90 days. One of the most important things to share with the listeners is everything you say to your doctor is confidential. But legally, they have set a statute of limitations for women from the date they identify with their symptoms. And then there's a process that we have to go through if we do become part of the current class action case. Do you mind sharing with the listeners what the issue is with, quote, chain of custody and how important it is to find a surgeon that you can trust and to communicate privately. Yeah, I mean, confidentiality between um, you and your doctor is paramount. I mean, you have to be able to discuss things and feel safe that it is confidential. I mean, you there's HIPAA. I mean, this is very, very confidential. Your medical history, everything that is discussed with your doctor is confidential. It is not to be shared in any way, shape, or form with anybody. That's something I have to adhere to. Every medical professional involved in our practice and in any practice must stick by that. It is the foundation of what medicine is built upon is the confidentiality between the doctor and 
the patient and the entire staff as well. So they can get better and get the help they need and really not worry about repercussions in any way, shape or form. So yes, a very, very important point for sure. The patients themselves can speak about their illness when it comes to privacy rights. However, it's the healthcare providers, including doctors, nurses, and social workers, anybody involved in the diagnosis and conversation regarding illnesses, they have to provide complete and total confidentiality as to their patients. 100%. Well, you've definitely, Jeff, done that today. And everything you do share, the more we tell our stories and you allow women to have the space to tell their friends, you demystify the fact that, A, this is not real because it is. And I think that you know, IMBII, you know, people showing that this is what sick looks like. Please send, you know, love and light to your wife, because obviously without her, none of this would have been possible. And as one of the pioneering women, her courage is not only saving lives, but she's sharing her husband with a lot of amazing women who will get their lives back and be able to live the life we deserve. And so thank you for you. And thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. It's a, it's a team effort for everybody. I can't do it alone, certainly. And it's all these great group of women working together with the same goal. So thank you. Those are two people who are really saving women's lives. And revolutionizing an entire industry, Christine. It's amazing to see someone put their care back in healthcare. Dr. Rankin has taken the time to really educate and advocate on behalf of his patients. And 500 explants a year, that's at least two a day. And how about Jeff? He really goes the extra mile for his clients. It's so nice to see that there are people out there who can make this part of the journey a little less painful and a little easier. So Chris, what have we learned today that will help our listeners lower their stress and anxiety when choosing a doctor? Kristen, I think the first thing that women need to find is a doctor who believes in breast implant illness. I think that's paramount. It's everything. So for the listeners out there, when scheduling appointments or looking for a doctor, ask the person who answers the phone if that doctor performs explants, if they treat breast implant illness, and if there's a place you can go see some testimonials. I think that's a great way to start. For sure. I think the second thing people need to do is to research those doctors and talk to former patients. Absolutely. Again, you know, just to hone in on that point, there's so many ways on social media, you know, look out there and talk to friends, you know, put in hashtag breast implant illness and see what comes up. And explant is another great hashtag to look at because you're going to see pictures of women who are proud of their results, happy with what happened. And I know they're more than willing to share feedback on the doctors they went to and the experience they had. I've done this myself. Yeah. And when you went to see those doctors, what did you do? And I think the third thing that I took away from everyone we've talked to is make sure you prepare a list of questions and concerns prior to the appointment. I think what's so difficult for many of us is we get in there and you freeze. You know, I know I have a lot of PTSD from going to doctors. And what's really helped me and some of the other women I've talked to is to create a list of questions, a list of concerns and take notes. It is not inappropriate to ask the doctor if you can pull out your phone and record the conversation so you can A, play it back for your family to share what happened and B, re-listen to it yourself because you're going to walk out of that appointment and have a lot of big choices to make. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Absolutely. And I think also shop around. I think one of the things I learned personally is the range of quotes I got were a variety of costs, some as low as $6,000, some as high as $52,000. Oof. 
right? And then the procedures I was being offered, I had to go to WebMD to Google half of these things. But what I found is not everybody had the same treatment protocol. And that's important. I think what we want to make sure as patients is that we understand what the procedure is, get an estimate for not only the explant, but any biopsies that need to be done. And then lastly, any reconstruction that you may want to do later. A lot of women, we've learned from Dr. Rankin today and other experts, they have the procedure and that reconstruction could be six to 12 months down the road. So as a patient, you really want to understand up front the total cost of recovery, not just the cost of the surgery. You really have to educate yourself on almost the entire procedure yourself. Absolutely. And there's great videos on the internet to look up what's an end block, what's a capsulectomy, what are biopsies. You can even see procedures. And I think the thing I learned that was most important in this entire experience talking to these amazing supporters is that don't give up. You know, there are so many great doctors out there. And as BII gets more recognized and more surgeons start talking about it, you know, there are solutions. There are more people to come that are going to treat us. I think that's great advice. Do not give up. And you're you're not not alone. alone. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine has been brought to you by Be Noble Media Group and iHeartRadio. A very special thanks to our guests, Dr. David Rankin and Jeff Rose. To find out more about aqua plastic surgery, please visit www.aquaplasticsurgery.com. That's A-Q-U-A-P-L-A-S-T-I-C-S-U-R-G-E-R-Y.com. Now I'd like to share some gratitude. A very special thanks to iHeartRadio, Jawara Parker, and her iHeartRadio marketing team. And a big, big thanks to our executive producer, Ramsey Yant. If you or someone you know would like to know more about breast implant illness, please visit sicktitties.com. That's S-I-C-K-T-I-T-T-I-E-S.com. Also, please follow us on Instagram at sick.titties and at B Noble Art, that's B-N-O-B-L-E-A-R-T. And we would also love to have you join our Facebook page at B Noble on B-I-I. And please remember, you're not alone. Together, we can beat this. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent the opinions of iHeartMedia or its employees. This podcast should not be used as medical advice, mental health advice, mental health counseling or therapy, or as imparting any healthcare recommendations at all. Individuals are advised to seek independent medical counseling advice and or therapy from a competent healthcare professional with respect to any medical condition, mental health issues, health inquiry or matter, including matters discussed on this podcast. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. 
Turns out, a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.